going to be talking uh, to you tonight on a subject that I believe is is uh, very well known to most of you, and those of you who've been around me very long, you know it's something that I talk about often. It's uh, something I'm passionate about, but <coughs> I'm excited about this tonight, and I want to uh, to say all of us are on our journey. We're all at different points along the way. There are many of you here that are so much further down the road than I am. I don't really uh, can't see you up there. Uh, and there are some that are just starting. So as I talk about this topic tonight, uh, I'm here only to try to give some perspective um, to this topic. Many, All of you participate in this, and um, it, it means something special to all of you. I just hope that tonight I can somehow give you a, a better perspective give you some history on this topic and challenge you to get more involved here and to have a better understanding of this and so that you appreciate it more and it makes a huge difference. And it's a sensitive subject to a few, not many, but if you don't feel like you fit in this category, uh, not a problem. As I said, we're all on our way and we're, we're all going to get there, so just come along for the ride and let's have a little fun tonight. Anyone scared yet? So actually, it's a very uh, straightforward topic, not nearly as heavy as what I introduced there. But uh, I guess maybe I could just start off with a little uh, question and answer maybe to see if I am in familiar territory here. So maybe we could do just a little question and answer. So why don't I just make a statement and you fill in the blank maybe. I was glad when they said unto me. preach. I was thinking if y'all knew this already, we could just shorten this up a little bit. I will dwell blank forever in the house of the Lord. So this is a topic that is so common to all of us. In Psalm 27, 4, David said, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So tonight, obviously, you realize that I'm going to talk about going into the house of the Lord. So that sounds like, after that introduction I gave, that sounds like a pretty boring topic, but it's not so much. So I challenge you just to stay with me a little bit, and let's talk about that. Uh, you know, I think uh, most of the people that we all associate with, uh, at, at the fundamental level, they all would acknowledge, yes, it's good to go to church. That's probably what we all need to do. Most of us grew up around some of that, and most of the people we hang out with, yeah, they would say, well, I don't know why y'all go so much or why y'all get so ridiculous while you're there, but, yeah, it's probably good to go to church. And, and you know, I, actually, I just uh, this happened to, to cross my mind shortly before we were, I was coming here this evening, but back in the day, that's what Pastor talks about occasionally, so uh, back in the day when I grew up, my parents brought me to church. I tell you many times, I was so blessed that they brought me to church. But they were big on going to church regularly back then. They liked us being in the house of the Lord. And so they gave us little attendance pins. And if you were there three months without missing a Sunday, you got a pin. Six months, nine months. Some people even got one year pins for perfect attendance. You didn't miss any Sundays in a year. And so my uh, parents... They were awesome. Thanks so much that they brought me to the house. They brought me to the house every Sunday for 10 years. 
and I got a 10-year pen, not missing any Sundays in 10 years. And I didn't tell you, as I said, I just that, that crossed my mind within the last two hours. And, it, and actually, I'm not advancing that um, for attention or to tell you that this is good or this is what it's about. Actually, the reverse. Even though I was going into the house of the Lord back then, I, I was doing good. You know, I had a lot of fun. I got touched. A lot of good things were going on. But I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just going into the house of the Lord just because they told me that's what I needed to do because I got the pen and because I, I thought that was a good instrument. But my point tonight is some people would say I'm preaching to the choir because on Wednesday night is the time of the week when the fewest people attend church, and you are here on a Wednesday night. So why am I preaching to you about coming into the house of the Lord? I'm not trying to trick you tonight about coming into the house of the Lord. You're here, but I want you to understand what you're doing. I want you to have a better perspective when you come through those doors there, and I want you to enjoy it. And I want you, I'm challenging you to bring this up to the next level. Some of you, you don't hardly miss a service, and you can't come more often. But I just want to give you some insight tonight into what you are doing when you come into the house of the Lord. So I'm focusing a lot uh, at the outset here, particularly on David. And you all know <coughs> a lot about David. <coughs> I've spoken about him several times. He was a, a shepherd boy. He was a sheep herder. And later on, he became a king. But he's a very influential man in the Bible overall. But in looking at the book of Psalms that he wrote, uh, very interesting. A few bits of information here, some statistics. Uh, the phrase, the house of the Lord, occurs in the book of Psalms seven times. The Lord's house is in the book of Psalms. The house of the Lord, our God, is in the book of Psalms. The house of God is in the book of Psalms three times. The house of my God is in there once. The house of our God is in there once. Thy house is in there 11 times. Altogether, David, who I'll talk a lot more about in a little bit, in his book, in this book of Psalms that we're focusing on tonight, he referenced the house of God 25 times. He thought that was important. I'm not the only one on that bandwagon. But... So why am I placing so much focus on David? And why do I want to talk so much about him and what he thought? Well, I'd like to give you just a, a little history. And, and I'm sorry, this is a lot of facts and a lot of information tonight. I'm going to try to make this just as easy as I can. I'm sorry it's, it's a little voluminous and has quite a few facts, but stick with me. There's something here. So why is David? You know, his book is filled with talking about the house of the Lord. So focus so much on David. 1 Samuel 13, 14, uh, the prophet Samuel is speaking here in Samuel, imagine that, uh, and he's talking about a new man coming to be king. So in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and 14, he says, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. Now Samuel, a prophet, he's speaking on behalf of God, God is speaking through him. He comes to speak to Saul, who is the king of Israel at that time. And he says, Saul, your kingdom's not going to continue. They, uh, God is cho choosing a new man, a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be a commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you, Saul. So 
at the outset. This is my first documentation right here that David, who wrote this book and talked so much about the house, was a man after God's own heart. Now, if we go to Acts, let's leave the Old Testament. Let's go all the way to Acts and some stuff that Paul wrote in Acts 13, um, verse 13, uh, 13 and verse 13 through 32, 22. Interesting passage here. Actually, Paul and some of his party were uh, at Antioch. The pastor preached some of that about that to us when we were going through the New Testament. But this was hundreds of years after Samuel had told Saul that there was going to be a new king who could be a man after my heart. So this is Paul involved now. Now, when Paul and his party set sail, they were traveling on these missionary journeys. They came to Antioch and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Men and brethren, if this is even applicable, I think some places have it. Lord, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen, the God of this people, Israel, choose our chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt with an uplifted arm. He brought them out of it. Now, for a time of about 40 years, we know that the children of Israel were wandering out in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses is leading them around out there, and Paul is referring back to that time. He says, now for a period of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations as they were traveling around in the wilderness in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. And after them, he gave judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they asked for a king, so God gave him Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, now that's the scripture we read about in the Old Testament a moment ago, he raised up for them David as a king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do my will. David is someone that we need to put some focus on. He wrote a lot in the book of Psalms, and I want to focus on that some more tonight. A little bit more background about David and him being a man after God's own heart and about the spirit that David had with him. In 1 Samuel 16, uh, David was anointed king. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Now, the prophet here is seeking out to find this man that is going to take over and lead the people of Israel after Saul is no longer their king. So pastors preach some of this to us. You'll find this familiar. I'm going to hasten through it. In verse 4, Samuel did what the Lord said. He went to Bethlehem, and he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord, jumping down. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So Samuel's going to Jesse knowing that he's going to find the new king here. Interesting now picks up in verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, as he's doing all of this, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature. Because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We're talking about the heart tonight. So in the following verses there, 
uh, Samuel calls out all these songs with Jesse. He knew he, he was in the right area here when he got to, to Jesse's house. So he calls up Abinadab. Moving down in, in verse 9, he talks to, uh, he looks at Shammah. Uh, he keeps on going in verse 11. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? God sent me here after somebody. I don't see them. I've looked at all these songs. What's going on? Then Jesse says, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Samuel and Jesse, they stood in attention while they waited for this shepherd boy to come out of the field. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking, and the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one, this little kid right here. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. I'm just giving you, that was a long background I gave you about David, but I want you to have perspective. When we're looking at David, talking about going into the house and what he does in the house and what he says for us to do in the house, there's some power behind that. I wanted you to have full perspective of who David is and what he's talking about when he talks about going into the house. As I have presented this topic here, David is very important. He's very focused in Psalms on going into the house of the Lord. So that presents for me several very interesting questions, very heavy questions that I want to spend the rest of my time on here this evening, hopefully not too much. Where is the house of God? We talk so much about where is the house of God. What is the house of God? Why should I go into the house of God? And as, as Jeffrey Page mentioned, all of you have found the house of God, and you are here tonight. What do you do when you get in the house of God? So let's go over that for a minute. I'd like to give you a little bit more historical perspective on the house of the Lord. So, um, Jason, if you would give me my first pickup here, I want to talk about the first house of the Lord, not what you expected here. So in Deuteronomy 12, 1 through 7, uh, is where we find the first house of the Lord. Now, David wrote these scriptures. This is David's knowledge and what he knew when he was writing these scriptures, and it, and it all comes into play on what we're doing. So Deuteronomy 12 and verse 1, and this uh, occurs at the time when you all, most of you know that the children of Israel were in Egypt in bondage, and they were, they were being harassed and punished and overworked for years, and God sent Moses to get them out of there. Well, they finally, Moses led them out, and then they were out in the wilderness roaming all over, as Paul talked about earlier, <laughs> for 40 years. So this is God's people. They're roaming around in the woods. Uh, by the thousands, I'm saving you some details here tonight as we move along, but thousands and hundreds of thousands of these people, the Israelites, were roaming around in the wilderness. But God started at that point in time to talk to those people and to lead them and to move on them. And as we're here tonight, as I'm standing here, I'm a part of that same lineage that came right from that group as they were walking there. So in Deuteronomy chapter 12, uh, my Bible has the caption, a proprietor place of worship. So, in jumping down to verse 5, the verse says, But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place, and there shall 
you go. Now, as the Israelites were wandering around in the wilderness, they didn't have a church over here on the corner where they would go. But God told them at that point in time, I want you to go and serve me. I want you to come into my presence, and I'll show you where to go. Uh, Jumping to verse 28 in Deuteronomy 12, he said, Observe and obey all these words which I command you, that it go may well with you and your children after you forever when you do what is good in the sight of the Lord your God. We're talking here about what the house of God is and why we need to go there. Now, moving on quickly uh, to Exodus 25, this is more, the, the picture that I showed you is actually uh, a picture of a replica of the tabernacle at that point in time. But just so you don't think I'm totally lost in the weeds, and I, well, in case I have you totally lost in the weeds, let me try again. There's a lot of complicated things that happen in church. There are people who say, well, how often do we need to go to church? Well, what do we need to do? Why do they play all that music? Well, you know, why do we do this? You know, why do we have all those routines? And why do we do it? Well, there's a point. I, I want you to just follow me. We're going back, and, and let, me, let me back up to the outline just for a second. I want to talk about the first church, the first tabernacle. And then I want to bring you ahead and talk about the second tabernacle. And then I want to talk to you about the present tabernacle. So this is the first tabernacle. And in Exodus 25, uh, verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel. And he goes into great detail here in Exodus 25 for seven verses about all the things they're supposed to do in this tent out in the wilderness. Now, I'm just, the, my point here is there's a lot of detailed things we do in this house, and they're all orchestrated by God. He started with the first tabernacle telling them what to do. And in verse 8, he said, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. The picture you had a moment ago of the tabernacle is the sanctuary that they built for him. And verse 10, the ark of the testimony, and they shall make an ark of acacia wood. I challenge you when you when you have some time and you want some interesting reading, dig into it. There, this is this is exciting stuff. Start to read it. You will you will not want to stop this. In verse ten, and they shall make an ark of acacia wood. The detail that God gave them for making this ark was amazing. He told them the dimensions, the type wood, overlay it with gold. He told them about the the rings that would be on it, the poles that they would use to carry it on. And you shall put into the ark the testimony I will give to you. I'm just trying to tell you that God had a sanctuary out there, the first one, and he had a lot of detail and a lot of uh, uh, description and procedures that he wanted them to follow. And he said over there in verse 28, uh, when you follow these commands, you will be blessed. I'm trying to give us some perspective on coming into the house of the Lord. Leviticus 23 uh, continues to tell us about going into the house, and we're still applying this to that first tabernacle, which was way out in the wilderness and constituted the tent. And the Lord spake to Moses, chapter Leviticus 23, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, this is important here, in verse 3, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation, you shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Way back there, while they were out in the wilderness, and they had a tent 
that they call their tabernacle. God said, I want you to work six days. That's fine, whatever you want to do those six days. On the seventh day, I want you to rest from your work. Then I want you to come into the house, and some very interesting things are going to happen there when you come into the house. Moving on to Leviticus 9, <coughs> sticking with the first tabernacle and what they were doing. Leviticus 9, it came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And they're putting together this tabernacle, which basically consists of a lot of detailed little pieces that didn't look like much and this tent, uh, a picture of which you saw there. In verse 5, so they brought what Moses commanded and all the congregation drew near. Then Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. I'm going as far back as you can go church and it, this is what God said he said when you come into this house and when you do these things the glory of the Lord will appear to you let me just give you a hint um, this was very tempted today there was uh, I believe three or four guests that came in on Sunday morning and sat on the very back corner over there when it was time to come to the front three of them came right up here and they were every one of them sincere they praised the Lord like they were about it and when that was complete one of them told me and he looked like he hadn't spent all of his life in church uh, he said I've never felt anything like that before I felt there's, there was power I, I've, I've been around a few things I've never felt anything like that before this is what we're talking about right here I'm going all the way to the first church this is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do and the glory of the Lord will appear to you now you hear people speaking in this place and saying, oh, I feel the power of the Lord and talk about what's going on. This is not some something that a pastor dreamed up last night. This is not something that he came up with a couple years ago to try to increase his numbers here. I'm going back to the first church, uh, and I have to move really quickly because I'm trying to find the first church. Uh, verse 8, Aaron therefore went to the altar. And, and he did all these things that Moses had instructed him to do. Verse 12, and he killed the burnt offering. Verse 15, then he brought the people's offering. Verse 18, he also killed the bull and the ram as sacrifices. And then going down to verse 22, then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people. This is when they built this temple and they were dedicating and they were doing exactly what God told them to do. He lifted his hand toward the people. He blessed them and came down from offering the sin offering the burnt offering and the peace offerings, and Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting, this is that tent, and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came out from the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Now, let me just give you a hint of where I'm going with this. This is the first tabernacle that we're looking at, and they had a lot of little procedures that they followed. When they followed all those procedures and they did what God had told them to do, fire came out of the sky and consumed. They, I, I could go into more details and talk about all these offerings that were brought and how many animals they had slain and were in, on this altar. Fire came down out of heaven with no assistance from matches or lighter and consumed these sacrifices on the altar. Now, that might not mean much to you. When I have a need, and when I'm in this house, and when I come down here, and God comes down and fire falls on me in this house, I know 
we're coming from. This is not a game. This is not a mystery. This is not a fluke. This is a long history uh, of going into the house of the Lord and following his commands and what he does at that time. Moving quickly along, I have to speed up. The second house of the Lord. After they spent 40 years in the wilderness uh, wandering around, David built himself uh, a house to live in. But amazingly, when they became much more civilized and settled down a good bit, they still had their tent, and they still had the ark, and they still met over there, which I frankly can't blame them. If that kind of stuff was happening, I would be going out there to the tent. If they told me where the tent over is here out in Livingston Parish or in Ascension, down as far as you can go, I'm going to be out there watching for the fire to come down too. But the second temple comes into play. So I believe uh, David has a, a picture of our second temple for us. And I have to confess, uh, I've, I've alluded to this when I was uh, presenting an offering a couple Sundays ago. I couldn't resist. This is a magnificent temple right here. After the tabernacle in the wilderness, this is the second temple that we see in the Bible. And actually, they call it that this is the first, the, the second house of God, I would say, house of the Lord. It, they call it the first temple. The first one that we talked about was the tabernacle out in the wilderness. This is the first temple. But I will not even try to describe for you this temple. But I challenge you, go and read about this temple if you want to be amazed. Just a few tidbits. Uh, this temple right here, this is when the ark was still out in a tent out in the wilderness. This temple is 20 stories tall. It's inside, the, the foyer in there is 180 feet long, 90 feet across. Every uh, vase that you see right there that has water on it, every basin, every one of those animals around there, the direction it's pointed, every bit of that was specified by God. It needed to be exactly like that. There were 3,300 supervisors that worked in building this temple. It took seven years. You can't even estimate what this cost. Hear me. There were hundreds of tons of fine metals, gold and silver, in this temple back there. That's the second temple that we talked about. Second Samuel chapter 7. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, that's David after he had built his house, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside the tent curtain. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. In verse 4, But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Dropping down to verse 12, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, they're speaking to David here, I will set up your seed, one of your sons, David, who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish his throne of his kingdom forever. This is details that led us to the first temple. Now, just a little bit more detail here about that temple. First Chronicles 28 Solomon was instructed to build the temple. Now David assembled at Jerusalem all leaders of Israel. And dropping down in uh, verse 2, I had it in my heart. This is David speaking. He wanted to build a temple. God said he wasn't going to get to build a temple, but his son was going to. 
He said, I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made preparations to build it. David collected all this stuff and was wanting to build the temple himself. But God said, you shall not build a house for my name. He has chosen, dropping down to verse 5, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. It is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen to be my son, and I will be his father. Second Chronicles chapter uh, verse five. So all the work that Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in the things which his father David had dedicated, the silver and the gold and all the furnishings, and he put them in the treasuries of the house of God. Let me just stop you right there. Just in case anybody's wondering about what we're doing at Life Point, I'm going to this great length here, and I hope I'm not boring you totally to death, to show you the pain that goes into planning a temple and to the detail that God goes to get his word and his power that comes down to your people. So I'm, I'm moving quickly through this, but hear me. I'm going to talk about the present temple shortly. But when I start talking about the present temple, I want you to see the detail that went into building these temples and went into these processes. And so verse 2, now Solomon assembled all the elders of the people, so all of Israel came, and the Levites, so moving to verse 4 now, so all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the ark. Now, for those of you that have studied any, uh, you know the ark is the it represents the spirit of God. Back at that time, the, in the ark, they had just a few items. The most significant one was the testimonies. It was the tablets. It was the commandments that God had given to Moses, and they kept them in the ark, and the ark was where the spirit of God was so them moving this ark is is huge then they brought up the ark the tabernacle of meeting and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle then the priest brought in the ark of the covenant of the lord to its place and it said nothing in verse 10 nothing was in the ark except the two tablets which moses had put there in verse 11 and it came to pass when the priest came out of the most holy place you were wondering about what we were doing tonight when you came in and this music was playing and these ladies were doing this amazing singing and Logan was showing the guitar in case you wondered is that necessary it is in case you wondering about what that is about that is about the fire that's going to come down in this house in a little bit and if you came here with a need tonight I, I have a request Bridget has family members that are ill I have this card right here, and we're going to pray for that family before this is over. And I'm going to invite you down. If you have a situation that you can't handle on your own, you're going to bring it here in a little bit, and God is going to move on that. So in that first temple, these priests brought the ark out there. And in verse 12, it says, They stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps. Now, tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Did you all think we'd be bringing this up? Did you all think we were just trying to be cool or we were trying to be loud? Way back there in Solomon's temple, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with 120 priests sounding with trumpets. We didn't quite get there yet. Pastor wants 10 guitars. We're making a little progress there, but we're not close to it. 120. 
uh, 20 trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeteers and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising the things of the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpet and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Does this sound like some of those words that we were singing just a little bit ago about reckless praise and about what we're doing here in the house tonight? That the house, the house of the Lord, what we're talking about going into the house, was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house. We're here in the, in the second house of God in where we're reading these verses. Hundreds of years after God sent down the fire in the tabernacle in the wilderness, here he sent down a cloud. And I know someone might say, well, you know, it might have just been a little hazy in there. They might have just had a little short in the receptacle or something. Uh, I'm not sure if it really was that cloudy in there. So let's move on to verse uh, chapter 7, 2 Chronicles 7. When Solomon had finished praying, and I'm obviously skipping a lot of stuff here. I'm breaking up these verses. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. I'm sorry, did you hear so much detail tonight? I just want to give you enough front of my Bible right here, God had a plan. House of God in the tabernacle, in, in the wilderness, there was one uh, in Solomon. They followed the God's will. They did what he prescribed. They went there. The power fell. The fire came down. Amazing things happened. I'm here in the house of God tonight. I'm following what God's telling me to do. I wonder if the fire might fall here. I wonder if any of this stuff applies to us. So let me move quickly. Uh, I bring you now to the third house of the Lord. Uh, Brother Jason, if you can go ahead and show me that pic there. Does anybody recognize this one? look and this one does anybody think this one here works does anybody think this is the house of the Lord so we'll ask the same question what is the house of God why should I go there and what do I do when I get there Hebrews 10 verse 5 Therefore he came into the world, he said, sacrificing, offering, and offering you did not desire. Verse 6, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, this is obviously in the New Testament. We're bringing this up to uh, in the New Testament. This is several hundred years after what we have been talking about, but it's still a long time ago. But this is in Paul's day. Then I said, behold, I have come. So Paul's talking here about the burnt offerings. The sacrifices, that was all what they did when they went into the house back in the day, really back in the day. And Paul, in his day here, about 2,000 years ago, when he's preaching, he said, that's what they did way back then. We, don't have, we, we have a new covenant. Jesus has come, and he's been a sacrifice for us. We don't need to bring all the sacrifices, and we don't need to have the fire in the offering on the altars like they did back then. 
But he said in verse 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, we don't have to do it like they used to do, through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Paul was telling his people here. Back, I read to you where they said, six days you shall work, and then on the seventh day I want you to come into the house. Paul is bringing it up. Paul didn't have the old law that they were dealing with back there, but Paul brought it up to closer to our day, and he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves and come into this house. present house of God. I took a lot of time talking to you about God talking through Samuel and about Saul and about David and about Solomon. <coughs> I gave you all that detail for a reason. Have you heard pastor talk about when he grew up in, in Bossier? And have you heard pastor talk about when he went to Maryland and he and Valerie started a church there. And God did some things. They weren't actually in the wilderness. They weren't out following around with their tent. But they were moving around. And God was leading them and speaking to them. But have you heard Pastor talk about one day they decided they wanted to come to Louisiana and start another church? Have you heard them talk about praying and God speaking to them? and telling them there's a need for a church in Prairieville. Can I tell you that God spoke, we just had a 10-year anniversary not too long ago. This church has been here for quite a long time. And much like the churches that we talked about before here earlier, this one started out kind of in a real small setting in a home, and then it moved over to another place on Tiggy Duplessis, and then it moved over here. But long before I ever knew that I was going to find myself in Prairieville and that my family and I would have needs in 2017, God started speaking to these people about this house of God, about coming here and doing a work, just the way he spoke to those other people way back there. I'm just trying to give you a perspective on why we come into this house of God and what this is about. Just in case you think uh, there might be somebody getting a little too crazy in what they think about us doing in this house, about how we preach, about what we sing, about what we do here. Well, God is speaking to our leaders about what we're doing here. Was there any question that God spoke to those people in the first and second tabernacle and temple that we talked about? Did God answer when they followed those request and went there did he come down and move is there any wonder to you in addition to the gentleman that I told you came into our church on a Sunday morning a few weeks ago within the last two weeks another entire family three generations came in they've been in church for all their life and they came to us afterward and said I feel some power in this place 
How many times do you hear people talk about the power they feel in this place? God spoke to our pastors about moving from Tiggy over here. And at the time, Jason took our nice uh, picture down there at the Presence Tabernacle there, the Presence House of the Lord. At the time, that was just kind of an old, worn-out building when we moved over here. Frankly, some of us wasn't very impressed with it. It kind of had a musty smell in here, and it kind of looked like nobody had been around here for quite a long time, and they really hadn't. And it, it, was really, it really was a musty smell in here, and it kind of looked bad. But God had some more plans for that house of the Lord. Look at it now, and that's nothing. Wait till you see what it's going to be. I want to read just a couple of more scriptures here that are very interesting. I'm going to try to open up my In focusing on what we do when we come into the house of this this house of the Lord, and that's that's what I wanted to to, um, to mostly for you to carry away from this tonight. So um, let me focus there just for a moment. I know <coughs> all of us come from different backgrounds. <coughs> We've all been in different denominations, if you would, different religions, and they all do things differently. So I understand. And some people might say, well, that's okay for them to do one thing, and, you know, I can still go, and I can do this. And as I said, I'm not here to throw stones at anybody. I'm not the one that thinks I have all this figured out, and I'm not going to tell you what to do. I just want to share some scripture with you, and I just want to invite you to try some of this. So regardless of what your background is, I hope that history lesson, that long trip through the weeds that we just took, has convinced you that David knew something about going into the house of God, that David had some of this figured out and that God put his spirit on David. There's so much in the word about the spirit of David, and that was because he was a man after God's own heart. In Psalm 100, verse 1 says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Now, this is what David was, was writing a long time ago. Tell me if this is relevant today. Tell me if you see this in what we're singing. Tell me if you see this in what we're doing. David wrote this book of Psalms. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Did we sing about entering his gates with thanksgiving tonight? And into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Just another chapter in David's book. Psalm 150. Praise God in it. I'm sorry that I'm getting a little uh, emotional here. Just an excited piece. In case you can't benefit from this, just, just bear with me. I'm enjoying this. Psalm 150. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. I sing about this stuff all the time. This last week's words up here, I'm finding exactly what I'm singing right here that David wrote hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. 
Praise him with the loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. So, I'm sorry I set you up here. Just in case there's someone out there who says, well, but I'm not a singer. And I don't know how to play the cymbals. And I don't know how to play the drums. So, verse 6 in Psalm 150 says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I might not know how to play very good, but I have breath. And I'm going to praise God. This is not just for singers. So just in case you think I'm just reading some scripture, this is a lot of detail. I hope it's not so boring to you. But this is not just for musicians. It's not just for singers. It's not just for keyboard players who come here hours early and prepare for us. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I read to you about the power that comes down when we do these things. When I came into this house tonight, into this house of the Lord, when I came in here at 6.15, this team, these two ladies right here, were on their second song practicing already through here. The power of the Lord was in this place. Then I stood right in the back of the building, and, and tears came to my eyes as I worshiped the Lord. I could not stand still back there when they were worshiping and playing their instruments in this house. Closing now. Why don't you all uh, stand and come around the front? As I said earlier, I'm going to uh, give you a chance to to present your need tonight, whatever it might be. Uh, I, I'm sorry that Pastor wasn't here tonight. He could have done so much better than I have. He would know exactly how to handle all this. But guess what? This is not about me. This is about God. He's in the house, so I'm going to get out of the way shortly, and um, we're going to move on with this. But whatever your need is tonight, if there's someone that needs salvation, if you want to experience this Holy Ghost, if there's someone that has a need in your family, if there's someone that has an illness, whatever it is, God's presence is in this house. But I want to talk to you as as we move out here just a little bit more about praising to capsulize all that we're talking about here tonight. Now, I want to go back to 2 Samuel verse six, uh, chapter 6 and read about another thing that David did. For me, this pretty much removes all questions. So this is kind of tying a few things in. David's telling us to go into the house, and my question is, okay, what do I do when I get here and why? And I've also seen where this has worked in the past. So Chapter 6, verse 1, And David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000, to bring up from there the ark of God. So this is when the ark that we talked about was in the wilderness, and when they were bringing it in to the temple where God told them to bring it. Verse 3, So they set the ark of God. I told you the, the ark represents the spirit of God. They set the ark of God on a new cart. I'm just telling you, if you think I'm taking this too serious tonight, tell me if they took this serious. They set the ark on a new cart. Dropping down a little bit, the sons of Abinadab drove the new cart. David took this seriously. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments. of fir- This is just bringing the box out of the tabernacle that they built, out of the tabernacle out in the wilderness to the temple. Kinds of instruments of fir wood on harps, on stringed instruments, 
on tambourines, on systems. I looked it up. That's a percussion instrument like the drums and on cymbals. And as they were moving this ark into the temple, in verse 6, I'm not sure how you pronounce this guy's name, Uzzah or Uzzah, put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. And God stuck him there. He died there, struck him there. He died there by the ark of God. Now, some of you have heard this story before. They were moving the ark, and it, the ox stumbled, and the ark was about to fall over on the ground. This poor man is just trying to help, and he reached out to touch the ark, and he died because of it. That shows the power of this ark here. So David, dropping down to verse 10, David would not move the ark of the Lord further. David said, wow, I'm trying to bring the, t- the power into the new temple, and here we had an accident, and somebody died from touching the ark. I'm out. David goes away for a while. Uh, so David would not move the ark of the Lord. He took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. This is just because the ark was in his house. It says it blessed all of his household. I don't know what all that includes. Does that include his family? Does that include his finances? Does that include his grandchildren? Does that include his in-laws? All of his household was blessed because they had the ark in his house. So what happened then in verse 12? Now it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. David said, wait. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom. He said, I'm going to go try again. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and sheep. Okay, you think I'm intense. David's intense. He tried to move the ark. He tried to build it. He tried to move it on a new cart. He tried to have 30,000 people to help him move it. Now then, he's making another chance. He's taking another chance on it. And this time he said, the plan I'm coming up with this time, I'm going to go six paces. And I'm going to stop and worship. And I'm going to sacrifice. Verse 14, then David danced before the Lord with all his might. Can anybody explain that to me? I don't think there's any other explanation except dancing with all of your might. David took this seriously. Pastor told us not too long ago, just having cool church, just having our building looking better, that's not what it's all about. He said we have to have the spirit in the house. This is talking about David bringing the ark into the house. He danced with all his might. David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. So does this really mean that David got wild? Does this really mean that he got out of hand? Or does this just mean like he was just excited? Verse 16, now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling. How do you do, how do you do, give me, put the spin on that. How can you tell me whirling is not getting excited in the house of the Lord? Have you heard about whirlers in the house of God? Have you heard about runners? Have you heard about jumpers? Well, here it is. They saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. The short of this is dropping down, uh, verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today. She said, what are you doing out there dancing in the street? 
acting crazy. So David told Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me. Has God chosen you? Has God called you over many others? That's what David said, to appoint me ruler over the people. David had a reason to shout here. Therefore, I will play my music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this than you've seen today. Therefore, Michal, who is making fun of him, shouting in the house of the Lord, had no children till the day of her death. I'm sorry. I take this serious. I've been a little dramatic tonight. I'm sorry if I kept you too long or gave you too many facts, but I just want you to know, when you come into this house and pastor tells you, okay, here's what we're going to do tonight, that's not something that pastor dreamed last night. That's not something that somebody told him across town last week that he's playing games with. Pastor has been called to this place. This house of God has been set up for a purpose. That purpose is for us to come here and praise God and worship him and dance with all. I don't know why David was to dance with all his might and not me. You know, not too long ago we were in a meeting, and uh, Brother Dave uh, was new to our, our church, and somebody mentioned him. He gave a little testimony. I said, Brother Dave, I like your shout. I'm impressed with Brother Dave's shout. Now, somebody said, I'm sorry, well, I don't feel it. I, you know, I don't have that much spirit. I don't, you know, I don't feel like shouting. That's good for them. But, again, I'm not trying to send you on a guilt trip. If you don't want to shout, you just keep praying, just keep reading, just keep coming to church, and just keep being blessed. But as for me, if David danced with all his might, I want to dance with all my might. And I'm just here to tell you, when you see me jumping, as I said in that meeting with Brother Dave, I have to try something new. I used to just kind of shout a little bit. And I wanted to do something more, but I wouldn't do it. But Brother Dave showed me some new steps. I have to confess to you, I have never shouted in the house with all my might. I shouted in my house at home with all my might when I was in a desperate situation. I shouted in my office behind the closed door when I had a desperate situation. I shouted with all my might then. When David had a need right here, he shouted with all of his might. I'm just telling you, if you see me shouting, if you see me doing this, if I'm going to try the whirl soon. If you see me doing the whirl, believe me, that does not mean that I've been fasting for 14 days. That does not mean that I'm good. The only thing that has to do with my spirituality, if you see me doing the whirl, the only thing you can judge me by, by looking at what kind of shout I'm doing, is just how obedient I am to this word. This word says, go into the house and worship him and praise him to his greatness. If you see me shouting, don't think I'm feeling good about myself or that I've been perfect this week. Just think, Anthony read the scripture. In the tabernacle at work, fire came down. In the temple at work, fire came down. At life point at work, fire came down. For the past month, people have been coming into this house saying they feel the power. If you see me shouting, just know I might have had a horrible day. I might have a need. I might have been struggling with my walk, but my God's not struggling. This shout has nothing to do with me. This shout has to do with him. 
sorry to keep you so long tonight. I want our singers to, uh, to, to sing again, and I want us to worship. But whatever the need is in the house tonight, uh, bring it here. Bridget has family members uh, who are ill, and we're going we're gonna to pray for them. We'll anoint Bridget and, and her sister here. Uh, Jenny, Will, and Lily Shields are in need of healing tonight. We're going to pray for them. I believe the fire can fall right here. I believe God can do the work tonight. If anybody else is here, if you want a spiritual blessing, if you need healing, a financial blessing, whatever it is, come here, and we're going to pray. And I believe that same spirit, that same cloud, that same fire is going to fall here. And if you feel like shouting, just shout. If you can shout with all your might, if you can whirl, let's do it. <laughs>